Hobby Addicts の時間です It's time for Hobby Addicts And now, here are your anime addicts Everybody, welcome to Hobby Addicts. Another rip roaring episode, number two seventy four. And we do have the normal crew. We have、uh, we have Caroline. How are you, Caroline? Oh, I am doing well. How are you, Mitsuki?、Uh, I can't really walk properly, but I'm here. What do you mean? <laughs> explain. We will. We shall explain. Intense inner thigh chafing. That's what I'm talking about, my Ew, guys. That does not sound pleasant. Bloody stumps. Oh gosh. <laughs>、um, then we also have Mason. Mason, how are you? I'm doing well. It feels like we're coming out of hibernation. We had a whole week off, kind of, sort of. And、uh, yeah, back at it. That's right. Well, and as always, for those of you that are listening, thank you for contributing to the podcast. It's very important that you do so. We appreciate it very much. And we are here, if for nothing else, then you're pure entertainment and to embarrass ourselves heavily. So I'm glad you're all here. So. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about how the narrow, I shouldn't say narrow survival, but the narrow completion of Blanca Peak,、uh, as well as the dreaded Lake Como Road, which was, <laughs> it's got to be one of the worst roads in the United States. There's no, absolutely no doubt about it in my mind. So we'll get to that. Also, Caroline watched a movie called Don't Tell a Soul, which sounds pretty neat. So we're going to hear about that. Mason went to a metal concert. I did. After reading is that why you missed Anime Club? It is. Boo. Boo indeed. We shamed you in the chat. I, I saw. I got multiple <laughs> notifications of people giving me the shame drop, and I felt it deep in my soul. Did you guys watch 12 Kingdoms? Is that what it was? No, we were watching Moribito, but we're watching 12 Kingdoms next, so that's going to be、oh、pretty、boy. good. Oh boy. Oh boy. Mason's also going to talk about the book, the book Stoner, which is. I feel like, didn't you just read Fear and Loathing, or was that. Am I. Fair and Loathing was like a couple episodes back. <laughs> you're, just, you're just on this theme, Mason. So I I'm on pres- a roll. Yeah, well, yeah sorry. Sorry, about book、uh, haters, but the, the trend continues. I have edibles downstairs. I mean, we could make this real. We could like, do it for real. I unfortunately have to inform you that Stoner has nothing to do with <laughs> Oh, come on. <laughs> Not、know. even like, as a joke or a reference? Or is,、nope. Was it、nope. just a. Ironic title. <laughs> I'm gonna look up when the term like stoner as like a you know drug user came into fruition because that might have been after this book was made. Anyway, so here let me let me talk about Lake Como Road here. I um, Pancake and I, I can't Pancake honestly, if 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 I take her on too many more of these trips, she's just gonna like leave me. <laughs> I know、mm-hmm. it's coming. Um, this is the absolute torture that was this weekend. We, we,、uh, we left Denver at 4 p.m. and got to、um, the, the basically like Alamosa area in Denver. It's in Colorado. It's almost down to the border of New Mexico in Colorado. It's a four hour drive. We got there at about 8 30. And、um, this road called Lake, called Lake Como Road is、um, notoriously described as being one of the worst roads in the United States. You know, I had driven that road from before where I told the story about how I, how I almost flipped the Highlander over.、Um, this road. You went back? 
this this road is so much worse than that road. It's like not even remotely comparable. Um, this is this is a road that is so bad that almost no vehicle can pass it. Um, there's it's about six miles to the lit to, to actual Lake Como up this road. And we only made it about two tenths of a mile up the road. Um, it was that bad, and even that was sketchy. So coming back on after we were done, I was just striking the bottom of the car like over and over again on this road. Um, it's just horrendous. And so we hiked up this road in the dark with headlamps on. Um, I think Pancake was immediately irritated by the by the trip uh, because the road was already terrible and. She really doesn't like being rushed on doing these trips. I think she wanted to make this like a four-day excursion, but we did it in a day and a half. Um, but Lake Como Road is really bad because, in addition to being, in addition to climbing three thousand feet in six miles, it also is just littered with rocks that are enormous. So, I mean, people think, "Oh my God, how bad could it be?" Like, picture a picture a rock half buried that's the size of like uh, like a Ford Explorer. Like just sticking halfway out of the road, and that you can't go around. It's like you would At have this to go. Point, I don't think it's called a road. I think it's called a rocky path. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's more that like does a. Not sound like a road to me. It's like maybe you could call it a pass, I guess, like P A S S, quote unquote. But there were there were vehicles that made it up this road. Um, now the whole road isn't like that. It's not like the those rocks are everywhere. But there's six or seven sections up up the road that are bad enough that you would just completely demolish like a like if you had like a if you had like a forerunner or something that was even if it, even if it was lifted like your whole car is just destroyed there's no way you could drive over it so uh, it was a very obvious theme of the cars that made it to the top of this of the lake of tour the lake was um it was pretty much lifted jeeps with like forty thousand dollars suspensions on them like the kinds of the kinds of suspensions where the tires go real far out from the side of the car so you have no ch- chance of rolling it really, and they have like an ability for the for the for the for the suspension has has the ability to like wildly go up and down. Like you could have one tire in the front being like three feet higher than the other, and and then they have like special drivetrains so that if one tire isn't like like getting traction, like it doesn't affect the other tires or some shit. Only these lifted jeeps made it, and one Polaris made it. Um, and that was about it. So anyway, we, we walked up this road and we camped at about 1130 in the dark and, um, we threw the, we threw the hammock up and, uh, you know, we didn't make it to the lake the first night, but we almost made it. And the next day we walked towards Blanca peak, which is the fourth tallest peak in, in the Colorado. It's the fifth tallest point in the United States. It's thir- it's 14,345 um, feet. And you can't even see Blanca Peak for most of the hike until the very end. It's just sitting so far back in like the mountain range. And you have to walk by all these really cool lakes. Like Lake Como is like this party spot. There's like all these Jeeps parked and just a, a, like tons of tents. And people, I guess, you know, get kind of hog wild at night <laughs> when they're, uh, you know, at the lake. And But everybody's like hiking and sleeping and during the day, I guess. And so we walk past the lake at like 530 in the morning and on the way to Lake Como, there was a series of like four or five, like a, almost like a network of, of lakes. They call them tarns when they're up in the mountains. And they were really quite beautiful. There was, there's fish in them. You can fish at, it's like, you can fish at 13,000 feet. Like it's wild. Um, all these fish, they must freeze solid during the winter and then they still just don't die. I don't know how, but they, they're all connected. There were a couple of small waterfalls along the way. 
and it was a pretty good time in, in that that morning. I think my my favorite part of the hike was definitely the hike through up through the lakes on the way to the mountain. Between like five thirty and seven thirty in the morning was probably the best part of the hike. Um, we got to Blanca Peak, and it's somewhat imposing. I mean, you can see the peak on this one from like the ground, and you could you you look up and there's like people on top and but they're so far away that they look like specks of dust. <laughs> like you can tell they're people, but they're like, they're so small that you couldn't tell who was a man or a woman. You couldn't tell what color shirt they were wearing. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't even tell really how many people there were, but you can see these little, little specks. Like they're just like little tiny microscopic things. Um, and you're like, damn, like you really realize it's like, it doesn't look that far off, but you know, you realize like that's, that's like 2000 feet above me and it's going to take fucking forever to get up there. So you climb the mountain, and it was a pretty boring mountain. I think I think we both agreed that it was pretty unfun. Um, it was mostly switchbacks, and the whole the this mountain was the rockiest mountain I think we've ever done. The entire mountain is just a pile of broken granite. I mean, it's just like there's no dirt anywhere, uh, no trees, no grass, no flowers, no nothing. It's just it's just like someone took like like two million dump trucks worth of granite and just smashed them into these like microwave-sized boulders and then just dump them into a giant mountain. That's what this is. And somehow people have made the effort over time to, like, put a mine shaft here and there, and then there's, like, little faint trails where people have walked. Like, they've put, like they've put, they've packed the rocks down or, or the the rocks have been moved out of the way where people, you can kind of see the trail. So, and then there's a million cairns up the mountain, which is, like, a small pile of rocks that people make so you know if you're going the right way. And you just kind of weave your way up and up and up and up, you know, 50 steps at a time or whatever, 100 feet at a time, however far it is. And and um, the Blanca Peak is like out on the right, uh, up and to the right. And then there's like this kind of like a bowl shaped, uh, um, they call it a traverse between the two mountains. Because on the left, there's Ellingwood Point. And we had intended to do both of these because when you walk the 10 miles to get there, up that hellish road, you definitely don't want to have to do it again to get the other mountain, especially when it's only like, uh, you know, half a mile away from the first mountain. So I'm looking at Ellingwood Point and it's, from a distance, it, it looks unclimbable. I mean, it's like, um, you can see people climbing it, they're walking up it, but but you're so far away, you have no sense of, of, of uh, steepness or depth. It just looks like this straight up just thing. I don't even know how to describe it, but I'm sure once you're like right on it, you, it doesn't look, it's not as steep in reality, but it looks impossible to climb from anywhere on Blanca. But we got to the top of Blanca about 10, 15, and we we're about 50 feet from the top. And I took poor Pancake. Um, Pancake doesn't like heights. I can't really blame her. I don't like heights. Um, uh, I'm a little more fearless, I think. I'm a little more experienced climbing trees and fucking around in the woods and stuff and um i took her up this section that is the the normal way up but it's it gets a little hairy in like a certain spot you know there's there's a section where you have to kind of know you have to kind of analyze it and figure okay well i put my hand here i put my foot here and if i fuck up i'm gonna fall five feet onto a bunch of granite and smash my head open that's pretty much how it goes and it's like you know but like for me i kind of just like grab this piece of rock and I'm kind of like, I'm like, okay, keep your center of gravity low. You can almost like belly slide your way up it if you want. But for me, it's like, okay, I put my hand here. I put my hand here. I get my foot on it and I did, and I just kind of trust my boots and I just kind of 
walk myself up with my feet. And you do think about like, oh, I could smash my head open. We did not have helmets and, um, you know, whatever. But I got up the thing and I'm generally in front of Pancake because I, the altitude doesn't bother me as much. And I look back and she just had, the poor girl had just like a panic attack on the mountain. I mean, you know, she's a hundred percent sure she's going to die, you know, and all this. And people, people have died a lot this year on 14ers. They're, there's a pretty grisly story about a, a guy who fell off the knife edge on Capitol Peak. And he fell, he fell like a thousand feet and he died, of course. And then the rescue team went to, some rescue team went to recover the body. And the rescue team got caught in a rock slide that was caused by other people that were hiking that day. And the rocks, like, I guess some, some rock the size of a microwave, they said, came careening down this um, slope and it hit some girl, like, right in the chest. And this rock must have weighed 500 pounds probably. And I guess it knocked her like 20 feet in the air. She broke her femur in two places, crushed her pelvis, like all this shit. It's fucking crazy. And this rescue team got wiped out on Capitol Peak. Like imagine like, oh, the rescue mission, we're going to go get the, someone crashed on Mars. We're going to like go get them. And then like the rescue team just gets blown out of the sky. Like that's kind of like what that was. And so like, then you have a rescue team for the rescue team. Like no one has got, no one has recovered that body yet on Capitol Peak. It's still there. What about like, why don't people use helicopters and that kind of thing? I, I don't know. I think I, I think it's tough to get the helicopter up that high, and and also I, I'm not really aware of the exact spot that it's in. Um, so I just don't have the answer to that question. I'm sure if there's some complication, I should know. My company owns like we're like the largest helicopter operator in the world, but wow it's not that big a deal it's kind of like it's kind of like owning a company that has a bunch of ambulances <laughs> all, the, all they do is go to like traffic accidents so but um i just don't know but like poor pancake she's like some guy fell off capitol peak and he smashed his head open and that's gonna be me and you know i'm gonna die here and i'm like trying to help her like calm her down but it's just no good and so fortunately the people that hike these mountains are really kind everybody's in it together they all recognize the dangers um and I've never run into run into someone on a mountain that's just like, oh fuck yourself. I don't I don't want to be around you. And so they were like, they kind of helped her get down with me. And they said, okay, well if you come around this side, you can get up easier. And so I felt really bad because I took her up the hardest, probably one of the harder ways. Although I think it was the standard way. So we went around the other way and we did summit by about eleven fifteen. And so we lost like probably half an hour or more in that one spot. And so we we didn't get Ellingwood Point on the other side which is fine. I don't really mind. Um, I was happy we got Blanca. It's the bigger, it's the bigger achievement of the two. And, and, um, we walked back and, um, we wanted to eat all you can eat sushi so badly. We took Mason to the sushi restaurant near my house where you can get all you can eat sushi for like 30 bucks a person or whatever. And they have all kinds of other stuff. And we're always like discussing what our food reward will be because you're just going through hell the whole day. And we're like, oh, we want to get all you can eat sushi. But we knew it closed at like nine, nine o'clock or whatever. So we <laughs> wanted to get back. So we descended the mountain, the whole 6,000 feet and really quickly. I mean, it took us about four and a half, maybe five hours to do the 6,000 feet. It sounds like a long time, but the road, there, there's no dirt anywhere. I mean, it's like, you're just walking on fucking boulders the whole time. So you're, you're like stepping on boulder, microwave size boulders for five hours. And I'm going to not to be gross, but I'm going to lose like at least two of my toenails. Um, I, I have like holes in the bottoms of my feet. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I've got cotton in all my joints, like my knees, my ankles, my hips, like they all feel, so they all feel incredibly inflamed. Um, and, uh, 
and I, you know, I've got some sunburns and it's just brutal. Um, and, uh, poor, poor pancake. Like, I feel like if I put her through too many more of these, she's just going to like be like, I can't take this anymore. You have to go find someone else to torture. But she's so, she's so fucking tough. Like, like this girl is so tough. Um, you know, that it's just like, cause most people I think do this in several days and we did it in a day and a half and, and, uh, it didn't rain on us until the end, <laughs> right at the end when we were like basically getting ready to just lay down and die. Uh, it finally started raining and it rained really hard about the last 25 minutes of the walk down. <laughs> it was just like the icing on the cake. Uh, and then to top it all off, we didn't get back in time for sushi. So, oh no, no. that's all I was waiting for. Cause in my head, you know, a, a, all you can eat sushi place closing at nine, you need to at least get there by like seven to, you know, have time to get multiple rounds in and enjoy yourself and not be limited. So that's really the tragedy of this whole story. <laughs> Mason's Did like, you eventually get sushi? Like, cause, cause I feel if you could not get it that day, you might as well get it the day after. We, we didn't, we didn't get the sushi. Um, <sighs> And, and I'll tell you why. And as, as I post a couple photos for reference on the uh, on our chat or whatever, um, it's because they're closed today. <laughs> so we couldn't we couldn't go because they're closed. And um, that's pretty much the long short of it. They, they, we can't go tomorrow because our dog has training. And so we're going to go on Tuesday. So we're going to like reward ourselves on Tuesday to do it. And um, the whole hike was 50, 53,000 steps, which is just short of our record. Um, I think the record's 55 for us. And um, according to the Fitbit, it was about 6,000 calories. Um, I don't I'm know. I'm glad you guys survived. Let's not let's not gloss yeah. over that fact. Well, yeah, but we what survived. What did you do instead of sushi? Um, well, we got um, honestly not much. I mean, we got Taco Bell and Sonic, baby. We did we did get the Taco Bell Fry Force uh, Taco uh, Taco Fry Box on the on the <laughs> way up. And on the way back, we stopped. We stopped in this tiny town called Wallensburg that has like no one living in it. When I say that, it's probably like 400 people. And there was actually a Carl's Jr. in Wallensburg, and it's not the worst place you could get a burger. So we stopped and we got these burgers, and they were really good. And if, and we stopped a couple times and got like candy on the way back. But and then, but once we got home, it was it was just you, you barely have the strength to climb up your steps, and then to, before you get in bed and just just pass out like your body just forces your brain to shut down it's like you need to sleep now for like two days and that's all you're gonna do so that's the end of the story pretty much um i'm gonna post a couple pictures so you guys can see i do have a couple really nice ones i posted one on twitter um but you can see the terrain in this photo i just posted so up into the way in the distance the furthest thing where it looks like a boomerang upside down if you look way up into the right, you, Blanca Peak is up there, and then way up in the, the the furthest back level of the mountains, there's like a there's like a, a point on the left where it kind of hits a point. That's Ellingwood, so you can't really get a sense of how high it is. Um, but that's the kind of shit you're walking on the whole time. I mean, it's not much fun. <laughs> it's just like yeah, it definitely looks like a mountain range of just rocks. <laughs> it's just hey, it is called the Rocky Mountains. But anyway, I'm sorry for taking up so much time. Um, I want. I would love to hear about this. Don't tell a soul movie because I'm. I'm in a movie mood, and I want to know. Uh, yeah, honestly, it's not too bad that you've talked for a while because I can't really talk a lot about this movie without spoiling a lot of it. And you're not um, allowed to talk. It says don't tell anybody. Yeah, why are you even movie? talking about it? Well, First it's rule, the only thing I did this week. <laughs> is don't tell a soul. 
Well, I heard about I heard somebody talk about this movie. I, I can't even remember who, but I, so I wrote it down in the intention of watching it at a later time, which I did last night. It is an hour and a half long, so it's a shorter movie. Uh, and even though it's like five ninety nine anywhere you want to stream it, so it's really strange how expensive it is for being such a short movie. Um, but yeah, so this movie is about two brothers that decide to rob and a like a house that's being fumigated for termites or something like that. So, but they hear rumors that there's um, a large amount of money in the house. So they go, they rob the house of like twelve thousand dollars in order to pay for their mother's medical bills. Uh, but while they're leaving the house with the money, they get caught by security guard. They run through the forest security that's by guards. the house. Yeah, just a random guy with a security guard outfit. So they uh, run through the forest. And while they're trying to avoid him, he, the security guard, accidentally falls into an abandoned well in the middle of the forest. It's like 20 feet down. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so he's in the well. And while initially, like, both of them decide to, like, run off and not, you know, and, and you know, try to leave him there. One of the brothers is a lot more sympathetic than the other one. And he tries to help him out in certain ways. But if they get him, if they, he actually decides to get him out. They're in massive trouble. But there's a guy in a well and he, and, and he doesn't want to leave him to die. So it, it, the movie's basically around these three characters. It's the security guard and these two boys. And they're also their mother, I suppose. Um, the thing is, is that the other brother is a massive psychopath. I... He is like the least sympathetic person you could ever see, and he—you really wish that something awful happens to him in the movie, but not all that much does, which is a little bit disappointing. But overall, it's a pretty good movie. A lot of interesting twists in it, uh, and for being an hour and a half, it's a pretty good watch if you're not really into something full length. I thought for sure this was going to be a horror movie because it's—it kind of sounds like a horror movie title. Mm, nah. <laughs> but, it kind of has a movie or a horror movie rating with like a five out of ten. Uh, oh <laughs> no! Yeah, I mean, there are certain things. That, there's a lot of other critiques I could give it. Like sometimes the writing seems off, and then again, like it, the ending is not entirely satisfactory to me. Um, but it does have Rain Wilson in it, and he plays a security guard. So who's that? It's kind of funny. It, he's the guy who plays Dwight on The Office. Oh. Yeah, so it's kind of okay. funny, he, like, seeing him in not a humorous kind of role. Very serious kind of movie, so. Um, but he's really good. <laughs> he's really good. At, yeah, that's that's good. Sometimes it's, like, sometimes it seems tough to, like, for an actor to uh, make that switch from, like, Yeah, know, I mean, I feel to... like he's definitely in a lot of other things other than The Office, but i just never seen them. Hmm. Yeah, I think I feel like that's, like, a, a lot of actors. I'm, like... All these movies are like Bill Murray's been in and stuff. I have no idea. I'm like, like you've done all these movies and I've never seen them. But would you so so would you recommend this? Was this like, do you want me to should I go watch it? I don't think it's worth a five ninety nine of streaming, but if, if you get a chance to watch it, I'd say it's pretty good. Isn't that a kick in the teeth? Like you pay like fifteen bucks a month of Amazon Prime or something, and then when you go to watch the movie, it's like just kidding, fifteen five more bucks. <laughs> it's a kick yeah. in the teeth. Oh man. There's some uh, TV series that I got recommended to me called maybe maybe one of you have seen it. I think it's pretty new, but it's called like some it's like Samurai. It's on Netflix, like Samurai something. But the battle for Japan. It's all about like the history of feudal Japan and all the battles that took place between like the like Tokugawa period and the Meiji period. Meiji period. Have you guys seen that? No. 
I have not, but it looks like some History Channel knockoff type docu-series. How dare you? Which is usually not up my alley. <laughs> well, I saw five minutes of it, and there was a lot of blood. Age of Samurai is what it's called. Battle for Japan has a 7.4. Speaking of which, I also want to watch the Veroni Kenshin movies. They're on there now, so. Oh, yeah, those came out, like, what, a month ago? Uh, maybe. Give or take? Yeah, it could be. Are all of them out yet? Um, I thought, I, wasn't it like a trilogy and they were releasing? I know some came out. I don't know if all of them did. Well, they definitely have the the one about the, the one that's like the OVA, the remake of the OVA. That's definitely on there. So, but uh, other than that, I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure which ones else are on there. I've seen the I've seen one of them before. It was pretty good. Mason, how was your metal concert? Did you get into the mosh pit? I I was on the edge of the mosh pit, but I I do not mosh. I do not get in with it. I think you should. You should try it. I think you'd be good at it. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd probably be okay. I'm too. I'd be too kind. I'd be the person who like rushes in to pick people up when they get knocked down. Yeah. But oh. I don't know. I I don't do dancing, and to some extent, you could call moshing. Not dance. I don't think it's dancing. dancing. Well. The, the, what do you what do you what is your head when you think of moshing, Caroline? Um, people running around in circles, banging into each other, um, and <laughs> being a little nuts. <laughs> so that is certainly not a incorrect definition of moshing, but it can include just like the general circular pit that is formed, where people do like two stepping and other hardcore dancing maneuvers in there, which I would categorize as dancing. All right. <laughs> I've never been in a mosh pit, but I know this. Someone's in there throwing elbows. I know it. Yeah. I Was mean, it a I'm, band that you've seen before? Uh, yeah. So this band I have seen before. This was just one band at this show. There was no other uh, opening. It, there was no second act. It was just I showed up at, for this concert at 7.30 p.m. Promptly. Like promptly, any right? metal uh, fan would. <laughs> right, right when the doors open. And for essentially the next four hours straight, I stood and listened to music from one band. You just stood oh, there? Four, I mean, I, four hours? Is that what you said? Yeah, I mean, they started at like 8.30. So it was like it standing Damn. for an hour to wait. And then they pretty much played for three straight hours. And of course, you're not going to sit down because there's A, no seats. And B, it's a metal concert. So I, my legs are probably just as sore as yours are, Mitts. Like, it was pretty brutal standing for that long. I hope you get to keep your toenails. Are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, okay. But no, this is uh, probably my favorite band of all time. They're called Between the Buried and Me. They are from the, the North, South <coughs> Carolina, one of them. I, I forget. <coughs> and they're really good. And I, you know, had... Someone said a week ago, hey, let's go to a concert. Uh, I'd probably be like, you know, the COVID's kind of coming back on the rise. Like, I'd be very cautious and nervous about it. But considering I bought these tickets um, a while back because I didn't want to miss out on it and sell out, I I, I guess I'm glad I went because I felt pretty safe, you know. It was certainly hot there. It was a scorching week in Connecticut. The temperature was like in the 90s, but the heat index felt like in the hundreds. Oh, my God. So I was in this room. It was an indoor show. 
Uh, there were no fans. I was right next to the stage, so I had the stage lights on me. Uh, I was there for four hours with, with a bunch of sweaty dudes running around, moshing, quote-unquote <laughs> dancing, uh, and everyone was wearing masks. So to say that it was uh, uncomfortably warm would be an understatement. It was quite a... <laughs> it was probably not a good smell emanating from that oh venue. Oh, God. Was it, fun- but, uh, was it nonetheless, funky? It, it was... It's hard to tell when you're there. I will say shout outs to the I don't I want to call them like security guards or bouncers, but you know how there's people that stand between the fans and the stage. Whoever those people are, I mm. guess I'd call them security guards. Yeah, it's probably like yeah. Yeah. They they were just like handing out like bottles of water for free to like people at the front. Oh, good. Like, we have it. We just we need to like hydrate these people so they don't pass out. I remember a couple years ago, I went to a concert. Obviously, this was before COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that I think about it, it was, I, I would not do this again. Um, so I went to a concert. It was a really great concert. Um, but I do remember somebody passing around a communal cup of water. And I'm just like, why oh, the hell? No. I, 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 I was so thirsty. So I did drink out of the communal cup of water. Oh, but no. now that COVID has happened, oh, no. I could not even fathom doing that again. We can't yeah. like have two cups. Like, like is it? Was, I don't. I don't know if the, how many were going around, but I do remember taking a sip of the communal cup. <laughs> There's only like one cup of like one styrofoam cup left. <laughs> there might have been some uh, special fluids in that drink. <laughs> no, I did not taste anything special. Just regular water. Special fluids, Mason. Yeah, who would be giving away special fluids for free? Yeah, uh, I, I've I've seen enough festivals to know that. Those people love sharing. Oh my god! I don't Have know. you heard of the guy that went to Lollapalooza? He went to the venue three weeks before the con- like it, it, the, the concert or the festival started, mm-hmm. and they set up everything. He dug a hole in the ground, buried a bottle of Tito's, and then covered it back up what? so he can go. At, and when he goes oh, to the yeah. festival, uncover it, and because you can't bring it outside. Are you kidding uh, me? Beverages. So yeah, so he, he buried a bottle of alcohol and then ret- retrieved it during the festival. Our hero. I know. Isn't that amazing? Can't you just it like? Pretty good. But can't you just get drunk beforehand? Yeah, sure. But you're at a sure, festival. It goes on for a while. Lola Lola is like an all-day thing over like multiple days. Oh, I see. Okay. So, why pregame when you can mid-game? You know, <laughs> always game. <laughs> Constant gaming the system by bearing alcohol in the Chicago park. I think it makes more sense now. But uh, yeah, the concert was quite good. They played essentially one song from their first, like, or not their first, but picked like one song from nine albums. So they played one of those songs. So that was about like an hour and a half. Then they took like a break and then they played an entire album after that from front to back and then they played an encore song and you're like oh that sounds like a reasonable set list but this band is very progressive and uh ambitious let's say so when i tell you that the last two songs they played took over 30 minutes oh my god like (laughs) it's it's fun knowing that like oh i'm listening to the second to last song and I'm still going to be standing for like another 45 minutes. Like that's Are the songs just naturally that long or did they elongate them? No, no, they're naturally that long. I'd say Please. on average the songs they played were about 9 minutes long on this on this tour. So, so yeah, it was a 
it was exhaustive. I felt bad for them because they were they were dying. Actually, one of their guitar players, I think, messed up his back right before the tour, and he played the entire concert like <laughs> sitting in a chair. <laughs> no way. Don't drummers usually sit in chairs? No, not the drummer. The guitar player. Oh, oh, oh. Uh. And like he couldn't even like change out his guitar, so like someone else had to come on stage and like get it on for him. That and he's is, up there uh, just playing these brutal technical like death metal poker riffs just in a chair just like vibing looking really jealous at the other guitar player who was like walking around and looking cool yeah but everybody's like really probably supportive because he's out there you know and he's and they're like he's out there anyway oh, for, yeah. just for them oh and, yeah everyone was vibing he's uh everyone like every time he like ripped a solo people were going nuts like everyone was uh <laughs> Giving him a be, fun time. He becomes like the star of the show because he's in the, you know. Yeah. That's exactly. funny. Well, how I about mean, this book, Mason? You want to talk about your book? I want, yeah, I want, what is Stone? Come on. Let, come on. Let's get stoned. Come on. Oh, I looked it up. I looked it up. Uh, it's hard to tell where the term stoner for like weed usage or cannabis, you know, involvement came about, but it seems to have come to fruition in like the 1970s. And this book, Stoner, came out in 1965. So, uh, mm, has a likely story with any sort of drug use. It's kind of, kind of a droll, like academic novel about a professor at the, uh, at this university, the university of Missouri, you know, very famous place in Missouri, whatever. Uh, <laughs> this guy is called William Stoner and it just follows his life from, his youth up until he dies of a something. I'm not going to spoil it. And it is Drug one of those books where it came out and no one really cared about it until like decades later when it just gets like a huge surge in popularity. And you're just like, well, damn, like this author was like definitely not around to like, I mean, he was a successful writer. It was John Williams, but like you kind of feel like bummed out that like, he missed out on the acclaim that this book got from a, you know, cultural and just like literary field because it happened after his death. So uh, a little sad, but it's a it was a pretty good book. It was very honest and forthright. Like it wasn't dramatic. It wasn't a grand story. It was just a very forthright look at this person that stoner's life and kind of how miserable it is and how miserable everybody is living their lives and you see some of yourself in this guy and you're like man i wish my life wasn't like that oh wait it is and then you cry a little bit and <laughs> move on no is this a oh. fictional book or an actual recount of this guy no it is yeah it is a fictional book uh i mean it feels very grounded and realistic he you definitely feel like life on campus and what it's like to be a teacher at a university. So it was kind of interesting from that regard. You know, the the righteous, ind uh, not indignation, but when like a, a student is back talking you and you flunk them, like you feel really good about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I liked moments like that. Uh, overall, I probably wouldn't recommend it if you. OK, you just said you sung the praises and then overall. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I just I, I think the audience for it has already heard of it and enjoyed it. And if like you're like venturing out into novels, haven't brought you across it already. It's probably it's probably not for you. It's just a little too like it's well written, but it's not 
oh, it's not going to wow anyone unless you're really deep into, I don't know, just solid writing. I don't know. It's 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 fine. It's whatever. I don't give it a strong recommendation. You both and in your intellectualism, your your reading. Here. I mean, I had to make up for going to a metal concert during like the second wave of potential like <laughs> COVID reemergence. I got to be like, I got to do something intelligent to <laughs> uh, redeem myself. I feel like I'm like illiterate. Like I can't even read anymore. I can't write. You I can't know, read. next week I'm going to be talking about audiobooks, uh, which is kind of like a podcast. Audiobooks are great. They're, they're yeah, a lot of I fun. I just finished up. Well, I'm going to talk about two of them next week and... They are both highly unintellectual. Mitsuki, could we somehow influence you to read a book and talk about it? I just think I'll fall asleep in within minutes. I just don't think I can. I mean, I, I, I'll read it like in bed at night and I'll be out in minutes. <laughs> I mean, I could try. I, 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 I could say I could try, but I think I would fail. I can't even stay awake watching anime. You know, it takes me... It was like this week with with Megalobox. It had nothing really to do with the with with the show. It's just like it took me four days to get through like two epi- two episodes late at night, and then I ended up having to like binge it all today, pretty much, because I just can't stay awake. I'm like I'm so old. Yeah, Ugh. we know. <laughs> Thank you. And, and I just got older. Old people are supposed to love reading, though. I like they reading, like reading books crosswords. about World War II submarines, and I think that's what your demographic is now, Mitsugi. Well, submarines yeah, are pretty neat. Watch, that's why you need to watch exactly. that Japan show on Netflix. S- submarines are neat. That's history. But, yeah, see, I think Mason's... that is the book that you now have to read is World War II submarines. Mason, that's not helping Caroline's argument. <laughs> Mason's like, you can just watch a documentary on submarines. Mason, that is the exact opposite uh, of what we are talking yeah. about right now. We were just trying to appeal to his... Uh, wartime history buff tendencies that he doesn't know he has. Well, at the very least, we have it evened out. Mason and I can talk about the intellectual stuff, and Mitsugi can talk about uh, all the uh, the brawny stuff, like going out and hiking and, and that kind of thing. <laughs> Mitsugi, no, 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 no. Next week, I'm claiming the unintellectual stuff, so Mitsu has to find something intellectual to balance it out. Can you talk- do it, Mitsugi? Oh my god. Can you rise to the occasion? I'm going to talk about kids that light, light on fire and uh, romance what? novels. <laughs> kids that light on fire? <laughs> I mean, spontaneously, but yeah. Jeez. Wow. I don't I mean, know. That's, I'm, that's what happened in the book I read. I'm probably... Wow. wonder what book? <laughs> Firestarter? I mean, I'm going to... I'm gonna, Fire Force. Uh, fire Force, such a good theme song. Yeah, how how was how was the fries at Taco Bell? The Fry Force. They they were the the the, ta- the taco. You, you just want to talk about fast food. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I mean, I actually had Taco Bell after my metal concert because that was the only thing that was open at the time. Well, listen, that we, sounds like a great combo though. Metal concert, then Taco it's Bell. It's true. That does sound. It was that big sounds sad. That sounds pretty big metal. Sad. Actually. What actually, do you mean? When we do our hobby today, I need to talk about something. You know, obviously, I'm going to talk about Otakon. Yeah, sorry, after party. That's how words work. Uh, (laughs) Obviously, I'm going to do a whole, like, special, like, Otakon episode. But uh, we do need to talk Popeyes. Oh, my God. It's so... I did have it. I did have it now. So I have words. Oh, my God. Are we going to talk about this in the after party? Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) Unbelievable. Popeye's chicken sandwich. Can we get through one after party without talking about fast food? Oh, come on. You don't like fast food, Caroline. 
I haven't. I barely have fast food. The oh. first time I had fast food in probably two years was last week, and I just got Burger King because there's nothing else open. Listen, Caroline, the fast food restaurants they try so hard to keep you engaged. <laughs> That's the thing. There's always something bizarre coming out that they've invented. I don't know. Didn't Burger King like fry garlic chips and put it on a burger recently? Ooh, that sounds good. I don't know, but sign me up. I, I just saw commercials for it. I actually don't like Burger King much, but. That's pretty much the only place I don't like, for the most part. Um, Do we need to make a tier list of fast food restaurants? It's not a bad idea, actually, to be honest. So you might have you you might be onto something. Okay, well, um, on that note, we're just gonna wrap things up because we have to do the main podcast, and we're late as always. As always, I don't yeah. know how this happens. All right, guys, we'll see you next <laughs> week. I love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye.